welcome to Navigating the Spectrum with Michelle Portlock. I'm your host, Michelle Portlock, and I'm happy to have you with us today. Today, we are going to be talking with Kira Palmer, and the reason why I say we is because my husband, Eric, is going to be on this adventure with us today. He's in the background dancing. It's really amazing. <laughs> and um, I pulled him on here because Kira and Eric have been friends for a long time since college. Yeah. Since college, they were both um, oboe performance majors, and that's how they got to know each other. And Eric, if I'm right, set up Kira and her husband, Justin, and now they're married. So, hence the husband title. So I cash in favors like this whenever I want. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, and one fun thing to know about Kira is that when Eric and I got married, she flew in with her husband and Kira played the oboe at our reception and it was beautiful. She actually has her master's in oboe performance because she's amazing like that. So welcome, Kira. Oh, <laughs> you're sweet, thank you. <laughs> so Kira, I have Kira on here because something that I've learned about Kira over the years, I follow her on social media and also my husband adores her and her husband. So I hear all kinds of amazing stories about them. Um, but something that I've learned is that Kira is a really gifted advocate for her children. Kira is a mother of four, but I kind of want to ask her to introduce herself. Tell us a little bit about you, Kira. And your family. And your oh, family, yeah. <laughs> and, and our family. <laughs> well, yes. Yeah, so it, it is really fun to have the relationship with Eric that we have because he was my best, best friend in our undergrad program. And yeah, he introduced me and my husband, and it, it turned out really well. And <laughs> I think he kind of maybe wanted to marry you at first, and then he was like, okay, fine, she can marry Justin. We worked through that pretty quickly. <laughs> we, we had a discussion, and then we got past that, and it was good. But it turns out this worked out perfectly, because the best way to keep a relationship with a female friend is to have them marry your other best friend. Yeah, exactly. really the only way that then works. you can all be friends. <laughs> It's true. And actually our first our first baby of the family was our cat named Buddy. And right. Eric was the reason that even happened too. He he rescued him and brought him and his litter to our apartment in Utah and we bottle fed those babies and let let the record show that I'm an animal lover and a kitten rescuer. <laughs> I just want that to be known. We had a cat for four days. We no longer own that cat. So I'm glad you rescued oh. that cat is in a very loving home, just not ours. <laughs> oh, gosh. A story for another day. <laughs> so tell us more about your family. So Justin and I have four children. Evan is 13. Landon is 11. Cameron is eight. And Piper is six. Mm -hmm. And so each of them, each of them struggle with with things and they all have different diagnoses and it it can get really complicated so i'm going to try really hard to keep it simple <laughs> so evan he was um diagnosed with a condition called spinomuscular atrophy type 2 when he was 17 months old and <clears throat> we we shorten it because that's a long name so it's often casually referred to by its short name, which is SMA. And um, SMA is a, it has been in the past a terminal 
a terminal disease. And there was never a cure, never a treatment, nothing for that. Um, and in fact, when Evan was diagnosed, the, what we were told by the doctors was, you know, he has SMA type 2. This is what it's a regressive disease, and there's nothing you can do about it. We don't know what his life will look like. Take him home and love him for as long as you have him. Mm-hmm. And so that's just kind of the start of, of this journey that we have been on. Evan also was recently diagnosed with ADHD, and we've been trying to kind of figure out how to help him through that because that has become quite an issue with school and and, and different areas in his life. Mm-hmm. So those are the things that Evan struggles with. Landon, my 11-year-old, he has ADHD and ODD, which is oppositional defiance disorder. Mm-hmm. And um, he also has some learning disabilities. And those severely affect his life. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been interesting to see having both Evan, who has ADHD, and Landon, who has ADHD, the different ways that 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 affects each of them because it, it is a very, very, um, it affects them very differently. Sure. And, and then Cameron, our little eight year old has down syndrome and my baby Piper, the only girl, she was also recently diagnosed with ADHD. So that sounds really easy. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like sounds like anyone could step in and take over for you. <laughs> yeah, no, not so much. <laughs> so so knowing that, Kira, I mean the reason why we thought you would be a good person to talk to is because I had the fortune of working in Calgary for a long period of time. So I'd get to visit you guys, right? Yes, and, it was our favorite. <laughs> and, and and I'm always paying attention to like, I mean, I know you well, I know your husband very well, right? And you do such a good job of, you always had neighbors, you always really good at educating your neighbors, you had a really good support group. But then I also heard, maybe not from you, but maybe from Justin, <laughs> that some of the challenges with family and people not understanding mm-hmm. and some of the restrictions that put on you, and that just sounded really familiar, different, but same themes of things that we were dealing with in our family with children on the autism spectrum. Mm-hmm. So maybe you can talk about just how you want, like, I mean, we say it takes a village, right? But I think with special needs children, mm-hmm. it really takes a village, maybe a city. Yeah, it, it, you know, and it's a challenging road to walk because you want your kids to, to be involved with, with their peers. You want, you don't want people to be afraid of taking care of them. And yet they do have these extra needs that they come with and they need extra support. And to navigate that, while while living if for lack of a better word a normal life is is really challenging mm-hmm. i will <clears throat> it makes me think of kind of the first time when we were learning this um i was at our our community has a, a lake and we were at the beach and i think i only had evan and landon at the time and evan was just diagnosed and just displaying symptoms and i had asked somebody if they could watch him for a second while I went and changed Landon's diaper. And they said, yeah, no problem. And this was in, you know, when I was just learning that you can't just assume people just because they know that your, your child has a diagnosis or has, has different needs, 
you can't assume that they know how to take care of them because as soon as I turned my back, I, I heard a splash and instinctively I turned around and this person that I had asked to watch Evan had her back to Evan and was talking to another mom and Evan was face down in the water. Oh. And part of his condition, he, he doesn't have muscle strength and so he can't get up. He can't move himself into a proper position. And so, you know, I was happy that I was, I was right there, but that was kind of one of my first lessons wow. of really needing to teach people what it, what it takes to take care of these kids and, um, and to be able to maybe look for different situations of finding that help. So we try really hard with our kids if we are hiring help in the summertime, um, which we have done in the past that I hire people specifically for that job who don't have kids of their own. Because as soon as you bring someone else's child into it, they all of a sudden have less, less focus. And it doesn't mean that people aren't good intentioned and it doesn't mean that people don't want to be helpful. But if you don't live it every single day, it, it's, it's hard. You can't expect people to necessarily step up. That's, that's kind of the first time I learned that you have to really educate the people that you're around asking for help. That's so true. So here's something that I think about when I hear you say that. I think it's easier to educate people we don't know and sometimes mm -hmm. our neighbors than it is to educate those that are closer to us. So how have yeah. you been able to maneuver that and still maintain a solid relationship? with those that are closer to you? You kind of have to become like, a, <laughs> I'm trying to figure out the right words even. You have to become really good at reading people. Because some, some people are not, either not interested, not able, or, um, or, or afraid of the different challenges that, that some kids come with. And, <clears throat> And that's okay. Sure. It, it, it's okay. They aren't their children. They don't, they're not required to. And so you have to almost, I talk, I don't know. I talk about it a lot with the people that I'm around. I talk about the things that we're going through, the things that I'm learning, because I'm constantly trying to learn and grow with my kids. Mm -hmm. And you can tell the people who, who are really interested in wanting to learn. And if somebody you know, offers help, I, I put that kind of in the catalog in my brain of, okay, this person offered help, which means that they, they might be willing to help. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think that one of the best things you can do is actually educate your kids on their own care from, from a very young age, because when they are old enough, they are able enough, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be an age Thing I've realized with some of my children, <laughs> they can communicate their needs to the people that they're around. So when I think when we left our kids for the first time over like for a, for a longer period of time, mm -hmm. I, I can't remember exactly how old they were. I use Evan a lot in my examples just because his disease is such a, uh, an obvious one and a very, very physical one. Mm -hmm. And he is really good at advocating for himself. And it's because we've, we've taught him since he was really young. Mm -hmm. And I, th I think he was probably six or seven. And we flew my mom up to take care of the boys while 
well, Justin and I went on this trip and it was the first time we'd ever done that. And she had said, you know, she was really nervous about taking care of him, but she wanted to, she was willing to learn. She was all in. Mm -hmm. And I had to laugh when I called the next day and she told me that the first time she had to put Evan on the toilet because he needs 100% physical care. Right, because he's wheelchair um, bound. He is wheelchair bound. Right. Yeah, he he cannot do any transfers at all. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> the first time she had to put him on the toilet, he talked her through it Aww. and they got through. <laughs> and then she said that the next time she put him on the toilet, <laughs> here's this little six, seven-year-old boy and he goes, that was much better this time, Grandma. Good job. <laughs> that's so cute. So that, that's really but interesting, I, Kira. I, and I'm also interested, in, does that translate also to your kids with ADHD? Do they know what they need in certain situations? And are they able to do that? So it's been interesting with them. They, they definitely take longer. So, um, and, and it's hard with ADHD because it depends on how it affects the child. So my second, Landon, he, he is very severely debilitated sometimes by his ADHD. Mm -hmm. And so it's a constant conversation in our home of kind of teaching him the appropriate responses in certain social settings and the appropriate responses to frustration and to, um, feeling overwhelmed and, and sometimes he does better with it than other times, but he really does struggle finding, finding what that appropriate response is. Yeah. And so for Landon, oftentimes it's a, it's a conversation we have after the fact mm -hmm. because he has such a hard time um, like right controlling his yeah. Controlling his big emotions in the moment. Sure. And so it's not till afterwards. And, and he doesn't have the capacity necessarily to see, to have that forward thinking right now at 11. We're starting to see it a little bit. But, um, you know, we've just had a, a pretty rough month and a half with him. And he's had a lot of growth. We had to do a medication change. We were homeschooling. We had a season change. He, he's uncomfortable with any kind of changes. And so knowing that, what we are trying to do is teach him in those calmer moments, okay, let's go back and analyze. Let's go back and look at what, what we both need to improve, right? And I think for the kids with ADHD, it's really important for them to see that, that we are learning and growing as well and that we also make mistakes. But we start to see little hints from Landon maybe, you know, that he is starting to get it. It's just a slower process. And it really does require a lot. Mm -hmm. I agree. I think teaching your child to self-regulate starts with teaching yourself. So some of the things that I heard, Kira, that I, I liked was timing. Yes. Right? You mentioned mm -hmm. how, like, and that's one thing that I think is important that Michelle and mm -hmm. I have learned is when one of our kids is in a struggle or in a moment where mm -hmm. behavior's not great, there, there's really not much correction you can do at that point. I mean, obviously you need to deal with yeah. the situation, but there's not a lot of teaching going on then. Like you, yeah. got, you almost have to circle back yes. when they're in a mindset to receive it and then talk about lessons yeah. learned later. So I think that's an important thing that you said. And the other thing, yeah. 
and I'm interested to hear your perspective is that when we come to ADHD, I think with Evan's example with medical things, that's a very visible, I think people are probably pretty understanding of his needs. You know, when mm-hmm. we talk about autism and ADHD, these are more invisible things that it's way easier for people to write those off as just, oh, he's just a bad kid or he's just got a bad temper or whatever. hundred percent. And so that's where I feel like the education is even more important. Be like, no, you, you need to understand when you're dealing with him, don't take this personally don't you know you you need to understand where he's coming from more so than than you would otherwise Mm -hmm. yeah no it's a it's a really really true statement that that you just said one of the things that we've run into quite a bit with Landon in the past not necessarily recently but how much of that is COVID and we're we're isolating our family to protect Evan I I don't know but um Landon is a big kid. He's a really big kid. He's really strong and he's very, very active. And when you have the size that he is and the strength that he is combined with the impulsive, you know, issues of being able to read situations, mm-hmm. sometimes that can, that can be a situation where another person gets hurt. And it's really sad to have somebody react to Landon and accuse him of doing things on purpose and accuse him of being a mean kid when he is not, he is not a mean kid and he always feels remorse when he sees what has happened. Mm -hmm. He doesn't under, he doesn't always understand the part that he played in it and, and has to be taught. Mm -hmm. And so, and, and it's hard, you know, I, I get it when I talk and my kids aren't in the room and I'm calm. Like it's easier to say, Oh yeah, you just do this, this, and this. But when you watch him, you know, smack his brother in the face because he just wasn't thinking it's harder, right? You have to. So I do try to, um, try to give other people a little bit of grace for not understanding him. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I really do try to educate people a lot on, the struggles that he has and that he is actively learning how to live his life with this condition mm-hmm. and and to see the to see the land in behind the diagnosis right yeah. we often I, I was having a conversation with a friend the other day about about diagnoses and and how some people will use a diagnosis as a crutch and they really rely on that diagnosis. They need the diagnosis rather than looking at the needs of their kids. And it's a hard one because when I was talking to her, I said, you know, I, I actually understand the, the drive to need that diagnosis. And, and the reason that I say that is because for us, once you have that diagnosis, you now have an option to learn what that child needs. Yes. You have the option to learn how to parent that person mm-hmm. and, and to grow with that person because, you know, having Down syndrome is very, very, he's, he's going to need very different things than Evan who has SMA or mm-hmm. Landon when he's in a tantrum or, right? Like if I didn't have those diagnoses, it, for for people like me, it would be much, much harder to be able to get the information about the best ways that though to teach those kids and how their brains work. So I guess one of the questions that I have hearing this is you have 
you know, multiple children with unique and separate special needs. So it doesn't sound like other than you and Justin, is there anybody that can meet all of their needs or do you have to like do individual people and, and how do you handle if you needed to go somewhere or needed a break and had to leave them with someone, like how does that work for you? Um, it, it's tricky. It, it's really, really tricky to work out. We, we've tried really hard. Um, consistency is good. So consistency in people and giving whoever, whoever we've asked to watch them, giving them the time to learn about our family and teach them kind of how to help each individual child is, is key for my children to be able to behave <laughs> better for, for that person and for that person to be more accepting of the children. Yeah. But I will say that it is, it is a really challenging thing and taking care of my kids is, is no easy task and it re it has damaged relationships in the past. And, you know, we try, we try to introduce things as slowly as we can to our children. We will try to have familiar people, but they're really asking for favors. It, it can damage relationships and it can be, it can be really a hard thing to navigate. It's, it's tricky. Mm -hmm. Well, particularly because your kids have very specific needs and sometimes people um, may not understand all of those specific needs and the whys behind um, why those needs need to be met. And so I can see yeah. how that could happen and translate into miscommunications and misunderstandings. And at the end of the day, we really have to, when you have children with special needs, you really have to put them at the front of the line. That's exactly it. My children will always, always come first. Always. And you know, I mean, I don't think that's something that people really dive into too much, but those that live it understand it. And it's, it's easy to say, build a support group. And it's easy to say, lean on those around you. But we all know as parents, the toll it takes to raise our kids. I don't, it takes a toll on, on the support group. Right. And when you're yeah. cashing in favors or asking things that there's a, with, with special needs children, those aren't small asks. They're not just come over and babysit yes. for a couple hours, right? <laughs> so the asks are bigger, which means the toll that takes on your relationships are harder. And I yep. think that's just one of the challenges that kind of goes mm -hmm. probably unaddressed a lot. Is it's not, it's just trickier. I think it's, I, I think you nailed it. It really is something that I don't know if anybody has ever talked to me about or asked me about, but it, it does. It goes unaddressed and, and the people, who we associate with it, it does take a toll on them as well. And this is where I think it's really good to find, find people who are honest and can, can talk to you and tell you, Hey, this is kind of, this is kind of tricky. I might need to take a break from this or, um, because families like ours understand I, I need a break from my kids sometimes. Sure. <laughs> right. Like, yes, it, we do understand that that being involved in this kind of dynamic is hard and so if you can find people who are willing to be honest with you i think that that's a really that's a really good thing and it and it should be cherished if you can find somebody who who gives you that honesty and as far as building support i i want to say that i think it's really important to 
to also seek out people who have like situations. And with social media, that's one of the reasons why I'm so active on it is that I have received so much support just from finding other people online who who have children who struggle with the same thing. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and also to find people who have children who have similar struggles. So I'm on a support group. I, I feel like I'm on a support group for everything online, and but it, it helps me so much because it makes it so that I don't feel like I'm alone yes. and that there are other people out there who understand my exact situation. Not that you can you know, look at me and say, oh, you know, having a child go through spinal fusion, that must be so hard. It's, and it is, and, and I'm grateful for that thought. But when you can find somebody who said, oh, I've been there. Yes. That means the world because now I'm not alone. Yeah. And so finding those support groups for just like situations, right? It doesn't have to be the exact same thing. Nobody, I've never met another family who has four children with the same diagnoses that mine have <laughs> and the dynamics that that creates. Mm-hmm. There are other ways I get support for that specific, you know, interactions that they have. But I can find people who have children who have SMA. I can find people who have children who have Down syndrome. I can find people who have children with ADHD and ODD. And I can glean you know, from their knowledge and their support. I love that. I think it's really important to have people, like you said, that you can say, hey, you, who has been through this? And, yeah. and then run ideas and questions back and forth with each other. It really helps. It really helps as we try to learn and educate ourselves and also help our children be the best yeah. that they can be. So I guess my question would be, how do you handle that emotional toll of, of that, of the advocacy, of the day-to-day with your kids? How do you take care of yourself? And what advice would you give others? That's a great question. So self-care is huge. When I, Self-care is huge for everybody, but it is vital for anyone who has kids with extra needs. Because it does, it take it doesn't just take an emotional toll on you, which I know you guys understand, but it it does take an, a physical toll on you as well. Those emotions and physical aspects of your body are tied, mm-hmm. and if you don't take care of yourself, you you are going to suffer. And so, the different ways I always try to make sure that I have some quiet alone time in my life, which is interesting because. Uh, Eric, like when I was in college with you, I didn't need any quiet alone time. I was good. I, I was good to be around people all the time. I wanted the noise. I wanted the chitter, the chatter. Like I was, I wanted it all. But I think just because my life is so chaotic every single day, I've, I've been able to recognize that every day I need that downtime that is just me, not me and my husband, which I also need, right? Mm-hmm. I, and so you have to kind of, balance you gotta get him to watch the, the things with you <laughs> <laughs> yeah you you work on that <laughs> eric doesn't watch it but he'll get justin too justin will fall <laughs> michelle you and i can watch it <laughs> i don't even know that i've seen a full episode but maybe maybe i, I, I digress <laughs> no like but you have to kind of figure out how to get all of the things that you need. Here's a good example. So um, 
I have a counselor, which I also want to talk about because that yeah. is something that I think every single person who is raising children with extra needs has to have. Yeah. <laughs> but she was saying, like, you need you need more sleep because one of the one of the things that Evan needs is he needs help during the night. So it's like getting up with a newborn for 13 years. We've, we don't sleep through the night. We have to get up between four and six times every single night to help him. Wow. And she's like, you need to figure out how to get more sleep. And I said, well, I know that, but I don't know how to do that because I, if I don't have just quiet me alone time or time with my husband every single day, I start to resent my life. I need those things more than I need sleep. So I'm running on exhaustion, mm -hmm. but I have to have those things if I'm going to stay happy with my life. And she said to me, that makes perfect sense, Kira. So why don't we try this? She said, why don't you just pick one night a week where you go to bed early? You go to bed early and then you've got six nights a week where you get the alone quiet and time with your husband. And then you have that one night a week to catch up a little bit on that sleep. And I'm telling you, just having that little tweak in my schedule, mm -hmm. that made that made a huge difference. Yeah. It made a huge difference for me. And I do try to, you know, lay down in the afternoon for between 30 minutes and an hour. And and that made a huge difference. So you it's kind of trial and error. You need to figure out what you need to keep your tank full mm -hmm. and keep running. And then and then it may not be ideal but there are ways to get it. There are ways to do it. Yeah. And yeah. Well, I think it's smart that you talked about speaking with a counselor and seeing a counselor. First of all, because sometimes we exhaust all of our ideas and there are more out there, but mm -hmm. we're just too tired. And so we need exactly. somebody else to say, hey, what about this? Or what about that? And then maybe you can kind of get your wheels turning again. Sometimes we just, we can even reach out to a dear friend. I don't know what to do about this. And Yes. Do you have any thoughts? Or like you said, to those like-minded communities or, or similar experienced communities. And yep. how do you handle this? What do you do? Get some ideas and try things in your own life that may work for you. Exactly. Well, that's true. I mean, because self-care is kind of one of those, it's almost become a buzzword, right? And I think us parents of like special needs kids are like yeah sounds great it's just not an option yeah right i mean it's almost <laughs> more it's more work to take a break than it's worth at some point mm -hmm. with, with all the preparation so i think what you said is great absolutely there are creative there are ways to probably work around mm -hmm. that that we just sometimes you're just too tired to even think about <laughs> and and that's exactly right like there are times you know that that we've been preparing for surgery or we're recovering from surgery or Landon's having a particularly bad month or Cameron's, you know, being cute, but super defiant while I'm trying to teach the other kids school at home. Mm -hmm. Right. Like they, there are so many different scenarios. I would love to see where, you at your house. <laughs> oh, oh, well, <laughs> it, you would be entertained. You wouldn't need the bachelor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there are so many different scenarios that come up and it, and what am I trying to say? It's it, people will say, well, you need to take care of yourself first. Uh, sure. That sounds great. But there are some situations where that cannot happen mm -hmm. for the safety of our family or mm -hmm. the safety of that child or, 
um, even just, you know, that child, like if Evan gets sick, that consumes everything. Mm -hmm. It takes, it takes 24 hours a day helping him using machines and all of these things just to get him healthy again. Now we've been lucky. We've had a good stretch since starting the medication that he's on, but there are times, and I know that there will be times in the future that no life as we know it has to shut down in order to help that one child. Mm -hmm. And so you just need, when you're in these, these situations and these families, you have to know the things that you need, understand that there are going to be times that you are going to have to shift Mm -hmm. and do things differently. But then when that time is over, you also have to come back and figure out what you need to recover yourself. Mm, I love that. I I always think of, it's similar to what you were saying, but there's a balance in there, but that balance is constantly shifting and changing. Mm -hmm. And I like that you said, and that things shift and you can kind of make adjustments accordingly. But I do think, I mean, this isn't the same, but I mean, even with, I've noticed I personally feel better with some exercise and Mm -hmm. because of being homebound with COVID, Eric's been able to be with our kids sometimes in the morning. So I can get a quick, even just a 20 minute exercise in, in order to give me energy that I desperately need. And so I feel very fortunate that I have a partner in this. And there are a lot of parents that don't. And I went through a period of time in my own life where it was just me. And that there were a couple of times where I would flat out say to my kids, I would make sure they were safe. And then I'd say, mommy is going to time out for a few minutes. I'm going to set the timer. And when it buzzes, I will come out of time out. (laughs) It was just me trying to find some way to give myself a moment, just a few minutes even. So that, that often looks like I, I lock my door (laughs) to my room and I eat a chocolate bar. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Chocolate fixes so many problems. (laughs) (laughs) At least momentarily. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So what if you, what would you say to other parents who are also struggling to meet the needs of their children as far as advocating goes, what would you say to them that you've learned about advocating for your own children? I would, with advocating, I would say, you know what your child needs. Mm -hmm. You know, you know what they need. Your gut tells you what they need. And whether you think that other people might think it's crazy or not, you know that that's what that child needs. Mm -hmm. And you don't be afraid to ask for the things that they need. Don't be afraid to approach teachers or principals or assistant principals or counselors to, to find out ways to help that child get the things that they need in order to succeed. It will take extra work mm-hmm. from you. It will take you stepping out of a comfort, comfort zone and putting yourself in that, that limelight Mm-hmm. But there are ways to do it. Use your own natural gifts. Everybody has has a gift. I'm, you know, for me, I am not, like I said earlier, I'm not afraid to speak my mind. Mm-hmm. But I also, you know, I, I like to think that I'm a nice person. <laughs> and so I try to be a nice person. And so that's what I use when I'm talking to doctors. 
you know, we've had to advocate in the hospital for things. When I'm talking to the doctors, when I'm talking to counselors, all those people, I, I try to always tell myself, remember to be kind. This is what's going on in my head while I'm doing it. Mm -hmm. Be kind, but don't, don't back down. Mm, like Listen that. to what they have to say, but you know, be confident in what you know about your child. Mm -hmm. I like that. Because nobody knows better than the person who is raising them. Nobody. That is so true. That is so true. Well, I, I think that, I think that everything we've talked about here is going to help spark some inspiration in the lives of other parents. And I do believe at the beginning, we didn't really mention this, but I think that listeners will know that although this podcast is geared around autism, which is its own special need, but special needs aren't, aren't just for kids on the autism spectrum as we know. And that's why we wanted to talk to you because you have great, a great wealth of knowledge in this area <laughs> and you're in the thick of it and you're doing mighty well. Uh, we, Eric and I watch from afar and just say, oh my word, how in the world are they pulling this off? Sometimes you post pictures and you've got Evan in a wheelchair and you've got, I mean, you've got. The best pictures are when you try to travel or, you know, try, you do travel <laughs> yeah. and it's incredible that you even manage that. Yeah, it looks like you might be going on a weekend excursion, but it looks like you're leaving for like maybe the rest of forever. <laughs> it, it looks pretty ridiculous. That's true. <laughs> but you're making it happen. And that is also another way to advocate for your kids, I would say. Like bringing your family together and finding ways to be inclusive with each of your children and their very specific needs. I think that's a really yeah. special gift and really special way that we can advocate is starting within our own homes. Well, and something on that line too, I, I, I come across a lot of different families who have special needs. And like you said, when I, the reason I, I use just special needs broadly is that there's a lot of crossover, yeah. right? You have a child with special needs. You, you are asked to sacrifice a lot mm -hmm. and it's going to look different for each kid and their, their particular need, but you are asked to sacrifice, but there, you don't have to give things up. It just might look differently. Mm -hmm. And so I go back to that shifting, right? Justin and I, before we got married, we always wanted to travel. And yeah, traveling with four kids, some behavior, some physical, some developmental, like that, that's hard. It's really hard. And it was, I would say the hardest time with traveling was when, so Cameron, my little one with Down syndrome, he was born with a heart condition. And so there was a, uh, he was on oxygen for the first six months of his life before he could have the surgery. And we, we would still travel. And so we're like hauling tanks and we've got Evan in a wheelchair and Landon's going nuts. Like it was, it was tricky, but just cause something's tricky doesn't mean that it's not worth it. And it also doesn't mean that it's not, there isn't some way to do it. And so I just want to encourage people, like if you have something that's really important to you, like traveling or I, I don't know what it, what it could be for other people and you feel like you might have to give it up, you probably don't have to give it up. It probably just looks different. So this is why you and Eric are such good friends because he honestly is like, I don't take no. <laughs> yeah. He, he doesn't take no, but sometimes I literally want to lay down on my bed and just say, never mind. I am way too tired for this. <laughs> so, And to add to what Kira was saying, though, it's not even your own interest, right? What we've learned with our kids is mm -hmm. 
you know, you got to see what your kids want to do and you got to make yes. that work for them. So it's like, okay, so yes. they have limitations, but whatever their interests are, you know, I think Kara, you, you guys are great examples. Like what do you need to do to give your kids the experiences that they'd like to have, whether it's a yep. physical limitation or, or a different limitation, there's always ways to like try to help them. And, and I've always admired that about you guys. Mm -hmm. Oh, thank you. <laughs> well, thank you. I think we can now officially say that we have had a fantastic conversation and I appreciate you joining us and being a part of this and sharing your life with us. We think you're incredible. We think your family's amazing Aww. and we just appreciate the example that you are for us. And we believe that those that are listening will be inspired by, by you. So thank you, Kara, for being Aww. with us today. Thank you guys. We love you. <laughs>